Hello, everybody. Uh, we are going to continue with our read-aloud, which is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling. We are on Chapter 9. Uh, I did get my dates wrong last week, so if you are on track listening to one episode every school day, um, today is Monday. Um, Monday, April 27th is what it should be. Um, I believe I'm back on track now for proper dates. So let's get started. Chapter 9, The Writing on the Wall. What's going on here? What's going on? Attracted, no doubt, by Malfoy's shout, Argus Filch came shouldering his way through the crowd. Then he saw Mrs. Norris and fell back, clutching his face in horror. My cat! My cat! What's happened to Mrs. Norris? He shrieked, and his popping eyes fell on Harry. You! He screeched. You! You've murdered my cat! You've killed her! I'll kill you! I'll... Argus! Dumbledore had arrived on the scene, followed by a number of other teachers. In seconds, he had swept past Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and detached Mrs. Norris from the torch bracket. Come with me, Argus, he said to Filch. You too, Mr. Potter, Mr. Weasley, Miss Granger. Lockhart stepped forward eagerly. My office is nearest, Headmaster, just upstairs. Please feel free. Thank you, Gilderoy, said Dumbledore. The silent crowd parted to let them pass. Lockhart, looking excited and important, hurried after Dumbledore. So did Professors McGonagall and Snape. As they entered Lockhart's darkened office, there was a flurry of movement across the walls. Harry saw several of the Lockharts in the pictures dodging out of sight, their hair in rollers. The real Lockhart lit the candles on the desk and stood back. Dumbledore laid Mrs. Norris on the polished surface and began to examine her. Harry, Ron, and Hermione exchanged tense looks and sank into chairs outside the pool of candlelight, watching. The tip of Dumbledore's long, crooked nose was barely an inch from Mrs. Norris's fur. He was looking at her closely through his half-moon spectacles, his long fingers gently prodding and poking. Professor McGonagall was bent almost as close. Her eyes narrowed. Snape loomed behind them, half in shadow, wearing a most peculiar expression. It was as though he was trying hard not to smile and Lockhart was hovering around all of them, making suggestions. It was definitely a curse that killed her, probably the transmogryphian torture. I've seen it used many times, so unlucky I wasn't there. I know the very counter-curse that could have saved her. Lockhart's comments were punctuated by Filch's dry, racking sobs who was slumped in a chair by the desk, unable to look at Mrs. Norris, his face in his hands. Much as he detested Filch, Harry couldn't help feeling a bit sorry for him, though not nearly as sorry as he felt for himself. If Dumbledore believed Filch, he would be expelled for sure. Dumbledore was now muttering strange words under his breath and tapping Mrs. Norris with his wand, but nothing happened. She continued to look as though she had been recently stuffed. 
I remember something very similar happening at Oogadoogoo, said Lockhart. A series of attacks. The full stories in my autobiography. I was able to provide the townsfolk with various amulets, amulets, which cleared the matter up at once. The photographs of Lockhart on the wall were all nodding in agreement as he talked. One of them had forgotten to remove his hairnet. At last, Dumbledore straightened up. She's not dead, Argus, he said softly. Lockhart stopped abruptly in the middle of counting the number of murders he had prevented. Not dead? choked Filch, looking through his fingers at Mrs. Norris. But why is she all, all stiff and frozen? She has been petrified, said Dumbledore. Ah, I thought so, said Lockhart. But how, I cannot say, continued Dumbledore. Ask him, shrieked Filch, turning his blotched and tear-stained face to Harry. No second year could have done this, said Dumbledore firmly. It would take dark magic of the most advanced. He did it! He did it! Filch spat, his pouchy face purpling. You saw what he wrote on the wall. He found... In my office. He knows I'm a... I'm a... Filch's face worked horribly. He knows I'm a squib, he finished. I never touched Mrs. Norris, Harry said loudly, uncomfortably aware of everyone looking at him, including all the Lockharts on the walls. And I don't even know what a squib is. Rubbish, snarled Filch. He saw my quickspell letter. If I might speak, headmaster, said Snake from the shadows, and Harry's sense of foreboding increased. He was sure nothing Snape had to say was going to do him any good. Potter and his friends may have simply been in the wrong place at the wrong time, he said, a light sneer curling his mouth as though he doubted it. But we do have a set of suspicious circumstances here. Why were they in the upstairs corridor at all? Why weren't they at the Halloween feast? Harry, Ron, and Hermione all launched into an explanation about the death day party. There were hundreds of ghosts. They'll tell you we were there. But why not join the feast afterwards, said Snape, his black eyes glittering in the candlelight. Why go up to that corridor? Ron and Hermione looked at Harry. Because, because, Harry said, his heart thumping very fast. Something told him it would be very far-fetched if he told them he had been led there by a bodiless voice no one but he could hear. Because we were tired and wanted to go to bed, he said. Without any supper, said Snape, a triumphant smile flickering across his gaunt face. I didn't think ghosts provided food fit for living people at their parties. We weren't hungry, said Ron loudly as his stomach gave a huge rumble. Snape's nasty smile widened. I suggest, Headmaster, that Potter is not being entirely truthful, he said. It might be a good idea if he were deprived of certain privileges until he is ready to tell us the whole story. I personally feel he should be taken off the Gryffindor Quidditch team until he's ready to be honest. Really, Severus, said Professor McGonagall sharply. I see no reason to stop the boy playing Quidditch. This cat wasn't hit over the head with a broomstick. There's no evidence at all that Potter has done anything wrong.
Dumbledore was giving Harry a searching look. His twinkling, light blue gaze made Harry feel as though he was being x-rayed. Innocent until proven guilty, Severus, he said firmly. Snape looked furious. So did Filch. My cat's been petrified, he shrieked, his eyes popping. I want to see some punishment. We will be able to cure her, Argus, said Dumbledore patiently. Professor Sprout recently managed to procure some mandrakes. As soon as they have reached their full size, I will have a potion made which will revive Mrs. Norris. I'll make it, Lockhart butted in. I must have done it a hundred times. I could whip up a magic restorative drought in my sleep. Excuse me, said Snape icily, but I believe I am the potions master at this school. There was a very awkward pause. You may go, Dumbledore said to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They went as quickly as they could without actually running. When they were a floor up from Lockhart's office, they turned into an empty classroom and closed the door quietly behind them. Harry squinted at his friends' darkened faces. Do you think I should have told them about the voice I heard? No, said Ron, without hesitation. Hearing voices in no one else can hear isn't a good sign, even in the wizarding world. Something in Ron's voice made Harry ask, You do believe me, don't you? Of course I do, said Ron, but you must admit it's weird. I know it's weird, said Harry. The whole thing's weird. What was that writing on the wall about? The chamber has been opened. What's that supposed to mean? You know, it rings a sort of bell, said Ron slowly. I think someone told me a story about a secret chamber at Hogwarts once. Might have been Bill. And what on earth's a squib, said Harry. To his surprise, Ron stifled a snigger. Well, it's not funny, really. But as it's Filch, he said, a squib is someone who was born into a wizarding family but hasn't got any magic powers. Kind of the opposite of muggle-born wizards, but squibs are quite unusual. If Filch is trying to learn magic from a quickspell course, I reckon he must be a squib. It would explain a lot. Like why he hates students so much? Ron gave a satisfied smile. He's bitter. A clock chimed somewhere. Midnight, said Harry. We'd better go get to bed before Snape comes along and tries to frame us for something else. For a few days, the school could talk of little but the attack on Mrs. Norris. Filch kept it fresh in everyone's minds by pacing the spot where she had been attacked as though he thought the attacker might come back. Harry had seen him scrubbing the message on the wall with Mrs. Scour's all-purpose magical mess remover, but to no effect. The words still gleamed as brightly as ever on the stone. When Filch wasn't guarding the scene of the crime, he was skulking red-eyed through the corridors, lunging out at unsuspecting students and trying to put them in detention for things like breathing loudly and looking happy. Ginny Weasley seemed very disturbed by Mrs. Norris's fate. According to Ron, she was a great cat lover. But you hadn't really got to know Mrs. Norris, Ron told her bracingly. Honestly, we're much better off without her. Ginny's lip trembled. Stuff like this doesn't often happen at Hogwarts, Ron assured her. They'll catch the mutter who did it and have him out of here in no time. I just hope he's got time to petrify Filch before he's expelled. 
Well, I'm only joking, said Ron hastily, as Ginny blanched. The attack also had an effect on Hermione. It was quite usual for Hermione to spend a lot of time reading, but she was now doing almost nothing else. Nor could Harry and Ron get much response from her when they asked what she was up to, and not until the following Wednesday did they find out. Harry had been held back in potions where Snape had made him stay behind to scrub two worms off the desks. After a hurried lunch, he went upstairs to meet Ron in the library and saw Justin Finch-Fletchley, the Hufflepuff boy from Herbology, coming towards him. Harry had just opened his mouth to say hello when Justin caught sight of him, turned abruptly, and sped off in the opposite direction. Harry found Ron at the back of the library measuring his history of magic homework. Professor Binns had asked for a three-foot-long composition on the medieval assembly of European wizards. I don't believe it. I'm still eight inches short, said Ron furiously, letting go of his parchment, which sprang back into a roll. And Hermione's done four feet seven inches, inches, and her writing's tiny. Where is she? asked Harry, grabbing the tape measure and rolling his own homework. Oh, somewhere over there, said Ron, pointing along the shelves, looking for another book. I think she's trying to read the whole library before Christmas. Harry told Ron about Justin Finch-Fletchley running away from him. Don't know why you care. I thought he was a bit of an idiot, said Ron, scribbling away, making his writing as large as possible. All that rubbish about Lockhart being so great. Hermione emerged from between the bookshelves. She looked irritable and at last seemed ready to talk to them. All the copies of Hogwarts, a history, have been taken out, she said sitting down next to Harry and Ron, and there's a two-week waiting list. I wish I hadn't left my copy at home, but I couldn't fit it in my trunk with all the Lockhart books. Why do you want it? asked Harry. The same reason everybody else wants it, said Hermione, to read up on the legend, the legend of the Chamber of Secrets. What's that? said Harry quickly. That's just it. I can't remember, said Hermione, biting her lip, and I can't find the story anywhere else. Hermione, let me read your composition, said Ron desperately, checking his watch. No, I won't, said Hermione, suddenly severe. You've had ten days to finish it. I only need another two inches. Go on. The bell rang. Ron and Hermione led the way to history of magic bickering. History of magic was the dullest subject in their timetable. Professor Binns, who taught it, was their only ghost teacher, and the most exciting thing that ever happened in his class was his entering the room through the blackboard. Ancient and shriveled, many people still said he hadn't noticed he was dead. He had simply got up to teach one day and left his body behind him in an armchair, armchair in front of the staff room fire. His routine had not varied in the slightest since. Today was as boring as ever. Professor Binns opened his notes and began to read in a flat drone like an old vacuum cleaner until nearly everyone in the class was in a deep stupor, occasionally coming round long enough to copy down a name or date, then falling asleep again. He had been speaking for half an hour when something happened that had never happened before. Hermione put up her hand. Professor Binns, glancing up in the middle of a deadly dull lecture on the International Warlock Convention of 1289, looked amazed. Miss, uh, Granger, Professor, 
I was wondering if you could tell us anything about the Chamber of Secrets, said Hermione in a clear voice. Dean Thomas, who had been sitting with uh, who had been sitting with his mouth hanging open, gazing out of the window, jerked out of his trance. Lavender Brown's head came up off her arms, and Neville's elbow slipped off his desk. Professor Binns blinked. My subject is history of magic, he said in his dry, wheezy voice. I deal with facts, Miss Granger, not myths and legends. He cleared his throat with a small noise like chalk snapping and continued. In September of that year, a subcommittee of Sardinian sorcerers... He stuttered to a halt. Hermione's hand was waving in the air again. Miss Grant? Please, sir, don't legends always have a basis in fact? Professor Binns was looking at her in such amazement. Harry was sure no student had ever interrupted him before, alive or dead. Well, said Professor Binns slowly, yes, one could argue that, I suppose. He peered at Hermione as though he had never seen a student properly before. However, the legend of which you speak is such a very sensation, even ludicrous tale but the whole class was now hanging on Professor Bin's every word. He looked dimly at them all, every face turned to his. Harry could tell he was completely thrown by such an unusual show of interest. Oh, very well, he said slowly. Let me see. The Chamber of Secrets. And that's where we're going to stop today because I love a good cliffhanger. So that is half of chapter nine, the writing on the wall, and we will finish the other half tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody.